0: Take your Bibles, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We are continuing a series we began last week through the book of Genesis. I am not sure how long the Lord will lead us to stay with this series. I would think probably at least the first 11 chapters, but we'll just see how things go. I want to begin this week by reading again verses 1 and 2. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. We considered these two verses last week, but I'm not ready to move on from them quite yet. Remember from last week that while Genesis is a book of beginnings, it does not deal with the beginning of God. Because it can't. God has no beginning. That's right. He also has no ending. Amen. Some may wish they had more information concerning God. But I came across this quote while I was forced to fellowship at Tyler's house at uh, Supper for Six. What are we calling that? I, where's Brother Long when I need him to say thank you, brother, for bringing that back up? So I had, to, I had forced fellowship with the Brock's and, and the Well's. And he had that book that Randy Starr had on his table about creation. It's like a devotional book. Anyway, here was a quote that was in the opening by Blaise Pascal. It says, Instead of complaining that God had hidden Himself, give Him thanks for having revealed so much of Himself. What a great quote. He has revealed who He is. He's done it through His creation. We can see the handiwork of God. And not only do we see that God existed before the beginning of creation here, we know from other passages that He's always existed. But we see here in verse 1, He is the Creator. This is a foundational truth that every one of us need to get a hold of. And I love how immediately in God's Word He brings us face to face with something that we have to deal with. In the beginning, God created Am I going to believe this or not? Verse 1 is absolutely foundational to our faith. If you doubt God as being the creator in the beginning, then how will you ever believe that you have been physically created by God? How then will you believe that God is powerful enough to make you a new creation in Christ? If we doubt verse 1... We've got issues throughout the whole Bible now. And so we've got to get verse 1 right. It is essential. It is vital that we get verse 1 right. And I would tell you, when you read the Bible, don't just breeze through it. It's not just a casual read to make you feel better. Read it slowly, purposefully, digesting as much as you possibly can as you are taking in the Word of God. Don't just read it for the sake of reading it. Amen. A lot of people do that. A lot of Christians just read it to read it. But what are you getting out of it? Don't just read it to read it, but make sure you're taking your time. Take enough time to hear from God. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak directly to you into your heart through God's Word. Bring it to life for what you're going through and what you will go through in the future. Now, I stated last week that verse 1 is foundational. I've said that several times this morning. If we don't have faith in this opening statement of the Bible, then we become guilty of picking and choosing what it is we want to believe. But there's more to it than that. Because creation is a foundational truth, if Satan can confuse the beginning, then getting folks to question the rest... Becomes much easier. So what has been under attack? Probably more than anything in the Bible, creation. If creation can be confused, if it can be made to be doubted, then you're going to end up doubting all kinds of stuff. What are you going to choose to believe and not believe? If you don't believe verse 1, why would you believe John 3:16? Listen, if if creation is too outlandish for you that God could speak and it would be, then how in the world are you going to think it's not outlandish that God would robe Himself in flesh for the sufferings of death to die in our place for our sins? I mean, listen, if you can't believe creation, why would you believe that? And so we've got to ask ourselves, do we believe this book or not? You either have faith in all of it or you don't. If you don't believe in the Genesis creation account then you are either taking away from God's Word or you're adding to God's Word. And that's something that God made clear we're never to do. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 4.2, Ye shall not add unto the Word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it. Deuteronomy 12.32, Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Proverbs 30 and verse 6, Add thou not unto His words, lest He reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Revelation 22:18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. God is very serious about His Word. He doesn't need us to tamper with it. Amen. He doesn't need us in our wisdom to sit there and go, there's no way that could have happened. He needs us to just have faith in His Word. And so, from the beginning of God's Word, we're confronted with a decision to make Are we going to receive the plain truth of the Word of God that there is a Creator powerful enough to speak the world into existence? By the way, you know what universe means? It means to speak the world into existence. Uni one person verse spoke, universe. Isn't that amazing? Whoop! That's like that's where I want to take a lap right there. Amen. I get excited about that universe and all these knuckleheads out there saying the universe just developed. You just or it just evolved. You just contradicted the very word. (laughs) Listen, that's good stuff. Amen. (laughs) All right. I'm excited about it. Listen, uh, we're not to add to it by adding some some reasoning. Well, you know, it wasn't that God really spoke it. God may have started the process and then it just did things on its own as God launched it. That's adding to the Word of God. Some just take away with it from some theory that could never be proven. Now, as you read your Bible, especially the Old Testament... You would be well served if you would just slow down and look for Christ. Look for Christ on every page. When we first got here, I think, Adrian, maybe a little bit after Pastor was in the middle of that series, I think, we got here of seeing Christ in the Old Testament. Some of you will remember that, and it motivated me to do that series. I've never been able to finish it because every time I started, I get orders before I... Now that I'm retired, I could do it, I guess. But uh, I would always start it at a church when I had PCS, and I never got to finish it. And so it's just so rich is what I'm saying. You should read the Old Testament and look for Christ on every page. And if you'll do that, it'll it'll just blossom before your eyes. The Old Testament, those parts that are boring won't be so boring. Don't look at me like you don't think the Word of God is boring in some places. (laughs) A bunch of self-righteous Sunday morning Christians. Listen, you know when you get over there to Chronicles and you read about six chapters of genealogy, you're just like, where's Alexander Scorby when I need him just to read this for me, amen? Uh, Listen, you get over there to Leviticus and you're just like, okay, I get it. We got to be holy. We got to bring offerings. But listen, if you'll see Christ in that, it'll just open it up and it'll be so much more real to you. It'll come alive. See Christ in all of it. You need to look for Christ throughout the entirety of God's Word. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, begins with these words The revelation of Jesus Christ. That could be said of the entire Bible. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible continuously and progressively reveals unto us the only begotten Son of God. The one who is altogether lovely. He who is King of kings and Lord of lords. He who has no beginning and no ending. Who is Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. From the first verse of Genesis until the last verse of Revelation, God is showing to us His only begotten Son. Christ is the grand object of the Bible. He is the end of all Scripture. Someone has once said, You have not found the true interpretation of any passage of the Scriptures until you have found in it somewhere a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon that said when you read the text as fast as you can get to Christ he's all throughout the word of God and because the word of God is a revelation of Jesus Christ Satan has declared war on the Bible we see this all the way in Genesis 3 when Satan first shows up yea hath God said attacking the word of God why? because Christ is the word so when we consider, and I said that to say this, when we consider the attack on the Genesis creation account that I mentioned last week, uh, it is so much more than just an attack on creation, but it is an, a direct assault on Jesus Christ. Make sure you get that. It's not just an assault on the Word of God, but it's because Satan hates Christ. Well, how do we know Jesus is here in Genesis 1-1? Well, when we compare Scripture with Scripture. Never forget this. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. Amen. Right. The Bible says in John 1, 1-3, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Listen, all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. <laughs> Who made the world? Jesus John 1.10 He was in the world and the world was made by Him. The world knew Him not. Ephesians 3.9 And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.16-17 For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities, or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the world's. Hebrews 1.10 And Thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of Thine hands. Revelation 4.11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. There is no doubt from the Word of God that Jesus Christ is in the beginning creating. So when we take the creation account and we cast doubt upon it or we try to tear it down, we are attacking Jesus Christ. When creation is rejected, the Creator is rejected, thus Christ is being rejected. And because this verse is foundational, we must understand that Satan not only seeks an occasion to try and cast doubt upon it, but he will try to destroy it for any who will stay blinded by Satan. For just a second, look at verse 3 here in Genesis 1. We'll come back to this in another message. And maybe even this thought. But look at what it says here. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. 2 Corinthians 4, 3-6 through six says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' uh, sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, just like we read in verse 1-3, hath shined out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ Isn't it interesting there how creation is likened to the gospel? Genesis 1-3, according to the Apostle Paul, is like the gospel. It shines forth. The work of creation by our Lord in Genesis is compared to the work that our Lord does in the new creation for those who are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5-17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so God, He commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. Likewise, the light of the gospel is shining forth for whosoever will receive it. And it will shine into that darkened heart that will turn to Christ for salvation. And it reveals to us the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But those who choose to refuse... They are still being blinded by Satan. And as a result, they continue on in unbelief. And how interesting. How interesting that many times we can trace it back to what somebody believes about creation. Interesting. That's how foundational creation is to faith in God. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, folks, is you cannot brush aside Genesis 1-1. This is why we have preachers and teachers. This is what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Now, our Lord is a builder of foundations. Amen? In fact, He is the foundation of the church. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the head of the corner, the Bible says. He's the stone that the builders rejected. And he is a builder of foundations. But Satan seeks to destroy foundations because he's a liar and the father of lies. And the Bible says there's no truth in him. Psalm 11.3 asks, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, I got good news. 2 Timothy 2.19 declares, Nevertheless, the foundations of God stand sure. Try as he may, Satan can never destroy God's foundation. I understand creation is not going to be believed by all, not as it's recorded here in Genesis, and some reject the Bible altogether. I understand that. But it'll never be successfully torn down because God's Word is forever settled in heaven. It cannot change. And what it says, it says, the Word of the Lord endures forever. And understanding all of this, we can see how anything that would diminish from creation in Genesis here, it's an attack on the biblical foundations and and an attack against Christ. Whether it's the theory of evolution, which will deny God, or any of the number of teachings out there which try to syncretize God with these other ideas that are out there, such as um, they they try to take what they see as an old earth and they try to somehow blend it with the Word of God. A lot of Christians trying to do that, whether it's theistic evolution, the gap theory, the day-age theory, the punctuated 24-hour theory. You say, is that really all these stuff? Yeah, all this stuff's out there. And really what we need to do is just read Genesis and take it for what God says. But people are what they're doing by doing all these different theories is they're casting doubt upon the Word of God. And they're trying to say that somehow this had to be written in a way that that we could understand it because we we just couldn't understand if God would have written it in an evolutionary way. But yet we... Are swallowing theory of evolution hook, line, and sinker. I mean, and th- that mindset makes no sense. What is so hard to believe that uh, God said, let there be light, and there was light? Yeah. Listen, i got to tell you this morning, there's no room for evolution. There's no room for any so-called evolutionary creationism theories anywhere yeah. Yeah. in your faith. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Get it out. It's not of God. And if it's not of God, who must it be of? It's got to be of Satan. Why? He is seeking to tear down Christ. Don't try to lessen creation because God has made creation to be a powerful preacher. So don't ever try to lessen what took place here in Genesis 1. God is using creation to speak to the whole earth. I quoted these passages last week, but you won't hurt if I read them again. Psalm 19, 1-4, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Creation is the original preaching in tongues. Amen? Every language hears it. Every tongue, every tribe, every people. They hear the message of creation being preached, and it is a message that is saying there is a Creator. It is a message that is saying God exists and that He is mighty to save. And every language hears this message. It spans the entire earth to the end of the world. And it is through Christ's creative work that the Bible says that the world is without excuse. Romans chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, For the invisible things of Him from the the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. I want to ask you this morning, church, have you ever seriously considered creation? God's creation. David did. In Psalm 143 and verse 5, he wrote, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hands. Seems like most people today want to be amused. We have all kinds of ways to achieve this. But David said he mused on the work of God's creation. In some words, when you add the letter A, it changes the meaning to the opposite. Muse is to ponder. Therefore, amuse is to be in a state where you don't have to think. We have entire parks dedicated to this art. (laughs) Amusement parks. I love them and you love them. I'm not saying they're of the devil. But we have these things in our life where we have just wanted to be amused, amused, amused. When are we taking time just to muse? Speaking of that, I love this one. The word gnostic means relating to knowledge. Therefore, someone who claims to be agnostic is someone who is dumb on purpose. That's not me talking. That's, that's what it means. Now, I've always had fun with that one in the military, amen? Try to witness to your coworkers and, well, I'm agnostic. Oh, so you're dumb on purpose. Anyway, when you gaze on God's creation, what do you see? What do you hear? Have you ever just stood in awe? Out at our place, you can see so much of the sky. And at night, especially now that we're getting into the cooler nights and the air's getting all crisp, and every night with, when the clouds aren't there, you can see the Milky Way, you can see all the constellations, you can watch them as they march around the sky. And a believer is left just to stand there in awe. That we're just this tiny little dot in God's creation. Why would a God who is so mighty, that could speak creation into existence, care so much about someone as insignificant as me? The hymn writer pondered this as he wrote the words to the song we sing, How Great Thou Art. Listen to the first three stanzas. Mike didn't know I was preaching this and I didn't know he was singing it. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, Consider all the worlds Thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. You know, the original, when it was first translated, instead of worlds, it said works. Instead of rolling thunder, it said mighty thunder. But some pansies got a hold of it and decided to change it up. God's mighty. Amen. When through the woods and forest glades I wander, and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and see the brook and feel the gentle breeze. Now, listen to what the songwriter does He's considering creation and all that's taking place. And then you get to the third stanza and he goes, And when I think that God, His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I can scarce take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. You see that transition that took place? Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art. David also pondered this thought in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? David, just like the hymn writer, looked at all of God's creation. And he was left to, God, why would you even visit us? Why would you even care? Why are you mindful of us? When you view creation, do you see the awesomeness of God Almighty? When God was dealing with Job at the end of the book there, of the book of Job, He turned Job's attention to creation. How many of you remember for about four chapters, God just hammers Job with all these questions? And they're all surrounding creation. Answers that, questions that Job had no answers for. God began it with this in Job 38, verses four and six Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? You know what Job said? Halfway into God's questioning, you get to Job chapter 40 and verse 4, and Job speaks up and he says, Behold, how vile I am. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. God goes on, keeps asking him all these questions. In Job 42, verses 2 and 3, Job finally said this, I know that thou canst do everything, that no thought can be withholden from thee? Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered things that I understood not, things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Get this now. When he got to verse 6, Job said, Wherefore I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Do you see this morning how powerful of a preacher creation is? Powerful enough that when God was dealing with Job, who was a righteous man, he was a Christian, he was saved. As God is dealing with Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? You tell me how it is that the calves bring forth. You tell me where Leviathan's at. You tell me all these things. And Job said, "I'm nothing before you. I'm nothing. I abhor myself." God in all of that questioning to Job never said, Job, are you wicked? Job, are you a sinner? Job, do you need this in your life? Do you need help here? But instead God just laid out for him question after question about creation and Job finally had to say, I'm vile, I abhor myself, I repent in dust and ashes. It left him with his hand over his mouth and to conclude that God can do whatever He pleases. That God is too wonderful for our comprehension. That God was vile in the light of God's greatness and eventually it led Him to repent. Do you know the Creator God this way? Has the greatness of His creation ever left you speechless? When you walk along the ocean's tide, do you realize it is God who set that boundary upon the sea? That it can't go no further than He allows it. Psalm 104, verses 5 through 9, speaking of God, says, Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be moved forever? Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke, they fled. At the voice of thunder, they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Listen now, thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. Isn't it, amazing? Isn't it amazing that we know when the sun is going to rise? We know when the sun is going to set. We know when the moon will wax and wane, when it's a new moon, when it's a full moon. We know when the meteor showers are going to pass overhead. We know when the planets will be aligned. We know when the flowers will bloom, when the cows will calve, when the birds will migrate back into our area, and all on. And if all of this was just a cosmic accident, then how is there so much order out of all that chaos? Right. Amen. It's because there's a God who created it and He orchestrates it it's because Hebrews 1 3 tells us that Christ is upholding all things by the word of his power in the light of this revelation has it led you to realize how caring our God must be to be so mindful of us that he would visit man by coming to earth to die imagine the creator dying for his creation that makes no sense But that's exactly what He did. He was born to die for us. Even though He would come unto His own and His own would receive Him not, He still went to Calvary. He still died a violent death. He still shed His blood that we could have our sins washed away. What a joy and privilege it is to know my Creator. I know Him. When someone starts preaching evolution, I can speak up and say, wait just a minute. The creator of this universe is my father. Can you say that? God sure wants a relationship with you. Not because you're something special, but he wants to walk with you, he wants to talk with you. Have you allowed the creator to make you a new creation in Christ? So in Genesis 1 1, we see Christ the creator. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This is foundational to our faith. Don't sit back and allow Satan to try to erode this, water it down, or tear it down. You're a child of the King. Act like it. Let's pray.